0: Hello, and welcome to Global Supply Chain Week. My name is Mark Solomon. I'm a senior writer at FreightWaves. We are pleased to be joined today by Brian Devine. Brian is the senior vice president of ProLogistics. ProLogistics staffs warehouses, distribution centers, and fulfillment centers. Uh, On behalf of warehouse and distribution center operators, it currently staffs, if I've got this right, about 60,000. Individuals who function in in warehouse and distribution and fulfillment center settings. Uh, Brian, thank you for joining us.
1: You're welcome, Mark. It's great to be with you. Okay.
0: One of the biggest issues has been, and we're going to put up a a chart that you sent us, which I think is extremely revealing in terms of the ten year evolution of warehouse wages. Uh, wages badly lagged the consumer price index until about 2013, about the time that Amazon, as as it stands, got started in the logistics business full bore. Since that time, uh, warehouse wages have narrowed a very wide gap to the point where it has Exceeded the CPI index, effective, I would imagine. I'm looking at this about 2019. And then it spiked last year, due, I guess, to the tremendous growth of online ordering and fulfillment um, as a result of the pandemic. You know, you're at $16.36. That's even above Amazon's $15 starting rate. Where can wages go before perhaps they begin to bite on the budget side of the, the ledger?
1: Sure. That's a good question. And and so let me go back to the referencing the graph that you just mentioned. And you're right, wages were stagnant between 2002 and 2014. They moved a, a total of 70 cents an hour. Uh, over that time frame, And then because of strong demand, continued demand year after year after year, and a limited supply, you know, the economics 101 kicked in, you know, and so prices went up. And in this case, it was wages. Um, you're right that we saw a nice increase in 2019, but 2020 was absolutely unprecedented. Uh, as you mentioned, all of us are now buying stuff online. Uh, the e-commerce portion of, uh, of of business has just shot through the roof, accounting for about 21% of sales now, instead of 16% last year, between 15 and 16% last year. And so we're all ordering stuff on, online and there's a, a very limited uh, amount of supply out there, amount of labor. And so it was really, a um, this was kind of like the perfect storm you had high demand for labor you had the pandemic kick in and then you had the federal government federal and state government uh pay very generous unemployment benefits each week and literally workers are you know if they qualify for unemployment benefits it comes out to be about 16 dollars an hour and that's one of the reasons why you're seeing these enormous uh, wage increases.
0: Okay, uh, e-commerce demand remains very elevated, perhaps not to 2020 levels. Uh, we have this tug of war going on now between uh, demand for labor as more fulfillment centers get get built, and what we're starting to a pervasive push to automation uh, to offset high labor costs and increase productivity. Who wins that battle, Brian, or will will? automation eventually usurp labor will they be able to share the same pie or will there still be a significant need for labor as fulfillment demand you know continues to be quite high
1: yeah that um often i'm often asked this question and my answer is that uh robotics and automation will have will play a very very large part in in warehousing and e-fulfillment and distribution centers in the future, uh, and it will, uh, and the cost of labor will, as as the cost of labor increases, it will take on a bigger and bigger role. But I'm often asked if it will eliminate the need for labor in warehouses, and I really don't see that as the case. I, I, what I see is that companies will use robotics and automation to significantly enhance the productivity of the workers that are already in the warehouse and in the distribution center. So if it takes you 100 workers to get out uh, 1,000 packages a day, it might take you 100 workers with automation to get out 2,000 packages a day or an hour. So I think you're going to see the uh, automation used to enhance the productivity of workers and the accuracy of workers.
0: So looking at the numbers, what is the ceiling for warehouse worker wages before it becomes before it starts to bite? Can we exceed $20 an hour with you know, regularity?
1: Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Biden administration. Of course, there's a strong proposal for a $15 an hour national minimum wage. And uh, I would argue that the national minimum ra- wage really hasn't uh, been a factor for a long time. Uh, the national minimum wage is seven dollars and 25 cents an hour. We haven't even back 20 years ago, nobody was making 725 an hour, really uh, for full-time work. So the national minimum wage really hasn't been close to what the uh, what the the free markets have dictated have been a fair wage. Now, once it steps up into $15 an hour, that is much, much closer to where the free markets already are. And so it's my estimation that that will push up all wages. So if 15 is the minimum, that means more skilled positions will pay 17 and 18 and 19. And to your point, Twenty and twenty-one
0: dollars. So, okay. Um, I guess does that begin to hurt the bottom lines, or can operators incorporate automation to perhaps improve productivity, reduce costs, and and mitigate the impact of the wage increases that you see coming?
1: Yes, if companies are able to uh, automate some jobs, uh, it will have a, a, a benefit to their overall costs of an operation. And they can recoup some of the increase in labor through that. But I'm expecting, you know, as all wages go up, inflation has got to follow, right? And so companies uh, will adjust and, and adjust their pricing to their clients accordingly. They'll have to bake in the higher wages into their price of the product.
0: Well, are we seeing warehouse hopping by labor? And if we are, uh, what are you telling operators that they must offer to attract and retain qualified warehouse labor?
1: Yeah, so your question about whether workers will leave one ha- one warehouse and jump to another is a good one. We've done a study on this and uh, there is a perception, it's incorrect, but there's a perception that these warehouse workers, they'll go down the street for 25 cents more an hour or 50 cents more an hour. And the fact is they won't. Uh, we asked over 30,000 people last year. Uh, we we conduct a survey, we call it the Voice of the Blue Collar Worker Survey, 30,000 people in the supply chain. And of the people that left their job for more money, only 3% of those people left for less than a dollar more an hour. 52% of the people left for $2 more an hour. So it's a significant difference. When you're making 14 bucks an hour and you get a chance to make 16 an hour, that's enormous. And so we do see that people will leave a job for roughly $2 an hour. And so uh, I encourage companies that they absolutely do not need to pay in the top 10% or 15% in the market. They just can't pay in the bottom 25% in the market and expect to retain workers. So if you're in that you know, top 50%, you're good wage wise, as long as you offer uh, a good competitive schedule, and other, you know, uh, treat the workers with respect and value their actions and their activities, uh, that's a way to keep workers.
0: Okay. Um, let's turn to the 800 pound elephant in the room. Um, there's been a lot of coverage in the past couple of weeks to the, uh, organizing efforts of, uh, warehouse workers at Amazon's uh, Bessemer, Alabama fulfillment center. Uh, We had talked about this. You were struck by the fact that that this would happen in Alabama of all places. But my question to you is. What are the broader ramifications of an organizing effort and not just on Amazon, but given its influence on the entire supply chain?
1: Yeah, you're exactly what right. It
0: makes effect? If there's a union shop on the premises, what, in your view, happens from there?
1: Yeah, what I think will happen is uh, most workers feel that Amazon is paying a fair wage there in Bessemer and other places. Amazon is, a, is one of the top payers, they pay very competitively. Uh, some of the concerns have been the productivity expectations of those workers while they're on assignment. You know, how many, how many orders did you pick in an hour? How many cases did you pick in an hour or in a shift? And so I think, uh, first off, I was surprised that this has taken place in Alabama and not New Jersey or Chicago, one of, the, one of the areas that is more prone to have labor unions. But I think it will have a rippling effect throughout the entire supply chain. You know, uh, Amazon has been successful in deterring labor unions you know in the past and uh we'll see what happens in alabama in the coming weeks
0: uh we've heard and reported for years about amazon entering a local market with a large fulfillment center and uh, hoovering up all of the available labor Uh, is that an overstatement does amazon really Uh, influence the, not only the availability of warehouse and fulfillment labor, but the salaries that they command.
1: Yes. When Amazon enters a market, they absolutely influence other employers in the marketplace. Now they don't employ everyone. And there are thousands and thousands of great warehouse workers that are not employed by Amazon. You know, the wages are competitive there, but they have high expectations. And so there's plenty of companies that can attract workers that are not looking for the the Amazon uh, impact, you know? So your question is, does Amazon affect wages? and, And does it consume a lot of the labor, warehouse labor in the market when they enter? The answer is yes, and it has influence, but they're not the only game in town we were heading that way towards increased labor you know year after year for probably for the last 10 years we've seen growth in our prologistics logistics division uh, because of the high demand for e-fulfillment uh, labor
0: okay uh, way out in the future maybe not so much anymore um uh, possibility of lights out warehouses where with the exception of two or three supervisors, and maybe a maintenance person or two on call, there will not be any floor workers uh, to run a warehouse. Is that pie-in-the-sky stuff? Yeah,
1: I think that there is a possibility in a very, very limited um, case, there could be some as you mentioned, lights out warehouses that are all, almost one hundred percent robotic and automated. I think for the vast majority of consumer goods, uh, and any for for that matter, all commercial goods, it's it's just not practical. You
0: know. Why?
1: Because we uh, it, it's just too easy to make adjustments to schedules and to uh, to product changes in a warehouse, that it's, um, I think it's just gonna be uh, too expensive to get in and um, it's just not, I don't anticipate that robotics and automation will take the place of all people. It reminds me a little bit of, remember when uh, we went to uh, uh, digital emails and stuff and we we're gonna eliminate paper and the, and now to me it seems like there's more paper, not less.
0: Yeah, there's. So is.
1: <laughs> I haven't been. I'm. I personally am not concerned that all the warehouse workers will go away. Okay.
0: One of the hidden issues as warehouses become more automated and robotic driven is whether there are enough qualified personnel to maintain and service these uh, pieces of equipment. This technology is is that a Uh, uh, an issue that companies need to be concerned about as they budget to put more automated resources into their fulfillment centers?
1: Yes, I think what's going to happen, though, is that those those jobs will have to pay more and more to attract more people into them that may not have automatically thought about uh, uh, logistics and warehousing as a career you know the so i think it will attract workers and the way to attract workers into that sector of the logistics industry is very very competitive wages
0: okay uh let me wrap this up with one sort of broad question there are a lot of cross currents affecting uh warehouse labor and fulfillment center operations e-commerce automation uh real estate Uh, what is the outlook for warehouse labor will we continue to see this wage momentum that has been so strong particularly the last five years will we see labor gaining more wage strength through the balance of the decade
1: yeah i think absent of um the uh, strong unemployment benefits, you know, the, the weekly payments, the equivalent of 15 or $16 an hour uh, for not working, actually, for quali- if you qualify for unemployment benefits, uh, with the absence of that, uh, I think will drive more people into logistics positions. Uh, There are right now about 101 million people in the U.S. who are over 16 years old and not in the labor force. Now, a vast majority of those people are retired. Uh, Roughly 50% of those people are 65 and older. But the logistics industry, specifically e-commerce, is perfect for shorter uh, segments of work, meaning three, four, or five hours in a day. And so I think you're going to see we're going to see a huge influx of gig type workers in e-fulfillment centers, because unlike a production line that requires 16 people on the production line to work, you know, if you have 15, you can't work, right? That production line, the e-fulfillment business has an advantage over that because a worker can be productive for three hours or for five hours, and they don't need to be there the entire shift. And that's what we're seeing more and more uh, companies go to uh, to attract the workers that they need to get the product out. So I think that that's going to be one of the big shifts that we see over the next four or five years. Technology is there, uh, scheduling software is available, and so that's where that, that's where my money is. Uh, that's where I'm putting my money on the gig workers.
0: With that, I'd like to thank Brian Devine, Senior Vice President of Warehouse Staffing Firm Pro Logistics. Uh, my name is Mark Solomon, and thank you for watching.